0: beautiful uh, Wednesday yes Yes. Yes. everyone everyone saw good shows that's a very good fringe response yes (laughs) the dance number from the university in the sheer Shropshire region was something to be desired they thought they were water but instead they were just pretentious well welcome ladies and gentlemen uh, to my um, it's my little Experiment, basically. What this is is, this is an improvised hour of stand-up. So I'm gonna get up here. Uh, I'm gonna riff. I'm gonna talk to you guys. We're gonna tell stories. I'm gonna tell stories. You guys can sit and you can laugh. If you don't laugh, I'll get needlessly angry at you, because because I'm a comedian and we we're needy assholes, basically. Like actors are pretentious douches. Dancers are just bendy. Artists are just way too cooler than even their hats, and their hats are ridiculous. And comedians, we are just sat in a room going, did you, did you like that? Did you, not, did you see the artistry when I did the joke about how cats are different than dogs? Because we're all the same. We're Even the cat and the dog, the dog who looks at you lovingly and appreciates you for the food and the walks, and the cat who looks at you like it's paying the mortgage and then shows you its asshole. <laughs> Do you see? We're all the same. We're all one beautiful sphere of light. Hello, sir, you can come in. Looking at the door, just come on in, or not. They're not sure which one to go to. Come on in, I can see you. Oh, and he's running away. Oh, he's opening the door. Now he's unsure what to do. Now another man, definitely, it's a bunch of American middle aged men having a chat, possibly about fishing. The door is open. Were you talking about fishing? Yes. Fucking what? <laughs> door is closed, fishing conversation continues. They're probably talking about which hats to wear. I always go, the who here fishes, anyone? One, yeah, of (laughs) course, sir, I can tell. You look like you invented fishing. You didn't, your dad did, didn't he? That was was Al Gore. Al Gore invented fishing? You're telling me Al Gore, former prime minister, former Vice President of the United States invented the internet, fishing, and complaining about the environment and documentaries that everyone likes, but it's so boring. Who's seen The Inconvenient Truth? Yeah. Who, am I alone where you're half an hour in and you're just like, we get it, Al. Shut the fuck up. Like, I felt like I was arguing with someone I agreed with. You know what I mean? Like, and they were just like, you don't agree with me enough. And it's like, I do, though. The earth is fucked. And he's like, but you're not talking in a bland voice. And you're not from Tennessee and never blink. Um, I don't know if it made it across this part of the ocean, but did you guys hear about Al Gore's brief sex scandal? Did you guys hear about that? It made me love him even more. So basically, Al Gore may or may not have been buying prostitutes. You guys know who Al Gore is. Imagine Ed Miliband, but put like a stone on him, and he's even more boring. That's Al Gore. Like he just—he was a dial tone, and his—he was the Robin to Bill Clinton's Batman. Like Bat, Bill Clinton was out like. I just fixed the economy, I just did stuff to two interns, and I've eaten 11 jelly donuts, time for a jog. And Al Gore, he's just like, he's the gallant to Bill Clinton's goof. It's just like, but Bill, what of the rules? And Bill's like, you can't specify what rules I've broken. I'm just gonna make a thumb motion and then go walk around for a bit. And he's like, but what of the country? He goes, you don't worry about it, it's America. Are you saying America's not great? And then all the Americans go, America is great. That's a great point. <laughs> The most, I, it's why I think, it's why I, lo- I love Amer- anyone. Americans or Canadian? American, American. What I will say about your country, and there's a lot of problems, there are. But would it? Us, not, us. not, no, you, not you guys. You, I can tell. You guys have that open, lovely American face where you just be like, you look like a cheeseburger. Would you like facts about baseball? <laughs> Did you know that Ty Cobb, right here, offended a black man, right here? If you guys don't know who Ty Cobb is. Ty Cobb is a bass player who invented being a racist celebrity. He was, oh boy, like sexist to the nth degree. He was just a bastard, but he was so good at baseball, everyone was like, ah, what the fuck are you gonna do? Like, it seemed like it powered him. He's sort of like John Terry of Chelsea, you know what I'm talking about? He's like that only like 70 years ago, because America's figured out, just don't give that guy a microphone. Just don't let him talk and no one will know, but the British are still like, give that guy a microphone. He's gonna say, jigaboo. watch him do it. He's gonna do it. He did it. Call the sun! Call the sun! <laughs> but Ameri- America is great because it believes in itself. The UK, it is a collection of places that only believe in one thing, and that's fuck the other places. <laughs> and then the rest of it is just a non-confident, like, you go, to, you go to Wales, and Wales has lovely rolling hills and nice people. And I once was in Cardiff, and I went, this is a really nice town. And the person I was talking to was from Cardiff, and I went, yeah, that's shit, though. <laughs> And I went, why do you say that? He goes, Oh, ah, it's just shops and businesses and people living. And I was like, that's a city. You've just defined a city. If there was no one here, that would be terrifying. We'd be in a ghost town. We'd be in Chernobyl. And he's like, yeah, just people breathing. It's like, that's the human race. Would you have some confidence. Like, you go to America, you could be stood next to a pile of cow shit. And someone would be like, you see that? That was an American cow. <laughs> Gave his life so we could appreciate a cheeseburger on a Sunday. What did you do on Sunday? Probably slept like you could because you're in America. Yeah. And I, as a Canadian, you know how hard it is for me to like America? We are brought up to be like, you loathe them. They are us, but worse. We are the polite people of North America. Now get a parka, get a coffee at night, and go apologize to someone for something you didn't do. But it's it's very nice because there is a difference between the Canadian accent and the American accent. And the Canadians speak much slower because we know we're going to be interrupted. And the Americans just never stop talking because they know they're right. That's the difference (laughs) right there. um, Yeah, it was a good joke. And Americans laugh at that joke. They go, yeah, we are right. (laughs) Pardon me, what movies have you made? Huh? Just get Carter? Go fuck yourself. Little thing called Expendables 3, my friend! Which I am going to go see. As you guys are following the Expendables trilogy, or as I call it, Hollywood made a movie just for John Hastings. (laughs) It's fantastic, and my favorite part is Bruce Willis. We all know Bruce Willis, right? Bruce Willis is apparently he's just he's the grumpy old man of American cinema at this point. Like he was John McClane, star of my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard, and now he just walks around being a douchebag. I have friends who work in in film, and not as like actors, but in the production side. You can open your fruit cup, but you did it in the most polite like. Will the tin ripping interrupt the anecdote about Bruce Willis? Nothing can interrupt an anecdote about Bruce Willis, miss. <laughs> Nothing can. He's a grumpy old man with a bald head. He wears denim all the time. And not because he wants to, because he has to. And so a friend of mine, was—he's uh, uh, he operates... Uh, Come on in, guys. Come on in. Everyone wave at that girl. Everyone wave at that girl. See? We're welcoming! Don't you want to know about Bruce Willis?! Yeah, fuck it. that's enthusiasm right there. From a person with a UK accident. Do you know how hard that is for her? Correct, miss? You can come in. Come, come to the front. She has a fruit cup. She might share it with you. She's not going to share it with you. She just took a giant spoonful to be like, I don't fucking think so. This, these liquefied peaches are all mine, sir. So a friend of mine was a, uh, he's a key grip, and I don't know what that is on the film set. In my mind, he's the guy who holds the keys, but tight. And... Thank you for getting the key grip joke. Those of you who did got it, those of you that didn't, it's gonna be a long hour for you. And he was working on a movie that Bruce Willis was filming called the, uh, the Whole Nine Yards with Matthew LeBlanc. It was literally the only movie made by Hollywood actually set in Canada, even though every movie Hollywood makes is set in Canada, in that any movie you've seen with New York, unless it's actually filmed in front of the Empire State Building with a guy with a weird Italian accent telling you to fuck off, that's Toronto. It's Toronto and they've just put a New York cab in it. And so he was the key grip. And Bruce Willis is just such a jerk that one day he was drinking his coffee and he just walked up to the director and went, this coffee is good, but it's not good enough for me. I'm taking the morning off. (laughs) And then he did. How big of an asshole can you be and be like, you know what? These buoyans were not roasted on the right side of the mountain. Daddy needs a nap. It's amazing. I want to be that famous one day so I can be that jerk. I know that everyone says, like, comedians say this all the time, I'm not in it to be famous. I am the exact opposite. I'm in it to be famous. I don't know if you guys have met famous people, but they have swimming pools in their front yard, so people know how badass they really are. (laughs) Like, that's, because again, like, everyone goes, like, it would be so shitty to be famous, people constantly recognizing you. I've been recognized. It's the greatest moment of your day, where they go, hey, it's you. And you're like, I just got, I just impressed someone by existing. This is a. Ama- I just farted, and they're impressed. I'm like you, and so I. Uh, I want to be famous, and uh, yesterday I took one step closer. I appeared on British television for the very first time. Thank you. Hold your applause. Yeah. Do not treat me any different. Do not treat me any different. Don't get too close. You will be burned by my heat, though. I am very important now. I was appearing on BBC Nine, and uh, it only airs in Poland in the evenings. No, it was, uh, it was on uh, BBC3, and uh, i it's very weird doing... Sta- I do stand-up. I don't just sit on a stool and bother people for an hour. I actually prepare other material. Like at 9.45, tonight at the Pleasant Cellar, you can kind of see me do prepared jokes as opposed to Bruce Willis' anecdotes that start funny and then end with a, hmm, interesting. So... <laughs> and so I, um, I was doing... and I don't know, t- TV taping... There's this famous New-, New Yorker cartoon. Do you guys know what the New Yorker is? For those who don't... Um, New York literati they needed something even more pretentious and left-wing than the New York Times. And I don't know if you've ever read the New York Times, but it literally is just like today, Sarah Palin gave AIDS to a cat for no reason, and then guns murdered everyone. Also, have you noticed Barack Obama took a dookie? We shellacked it and put it on our wall. Boy, isn't he great. Like, it's just... And I'm a left-wing liberal asshole. Like, I, if someone is, says, hey, lady, I'm like, she is a woman, not a lady. <laughs> Do you know the derivative of that word? Well, in the Victorian areas, lady was used for prostitutes. Are you calling that woman a prostitute in the Victorian area? I don't think so. <laughs> and even for me, I'm like, really, guys? Really? Is global warming caused by a farmer not using whole grain, dookie, fucking... Anyway, so the New Yorker is even more than that because it's just like it's cartoons that no one understands and like articles by Steve Martin that are supposed to be funny but they're not because Steve Martin isn't that anymore. He lost that after the Jerk because it was such a good movie. He lost being funny and then he made Roxanne, which was supposed to be funny because he had a big nose, but it's just long. And then he came back with Father of the Bride, which was delightful, but mostly mostly because Martin Short played the most perfect gay man ever. And so, have you guys seen Father of the Bride? Yes. That's a Father of the Bride fan right there. Hands up. you goddamn right we have. I made my dad get a job at a shoe factory after I saw that movie. Yes, I will do jokes only for two people in the room, and the rest of you will have to watch that movie and understand how happed it is. In six months, when you're in a hotel room and you're watching BBC Three and they just put on any movie, and then you're just like, oh, it's his Father of the Bride, and he's working in a shoe factory, and you go, like, ooh, that pale one. Very clever. And, uh, and so the New Yorker cartoon and it's, uh, it's a brain surgeon about to perform surgery and the, uh, and the other uh, surgeon is leaning in and going, don't worry, man, it's not television. See, it's not funny, but it sounds very pretentious and funny. It's like kind of like being at one of those really expensive weddings and the uncle comes up to you and goes, have you noticed that the olives are not from Greece? How gauche. Like that sort of same tone. And so television, it's, it's really treated with this rarefied air. Stand-up is very simple. You go and you speak into a microphone and you hopefully say funny things. And if they laugh, that's great. And if they don't, in television, what they do is they edit it so it looks like you fucking did amazing. I did a TV show in Canada once and the comedian before me got the opposite of laughs. There was just silence. And one woman kept clapping because she thought it was over. It was <laughs> it was a the- it was like 2000 people and you have never heard embarrassment more than one woman in 2000 going <laughs> <laughs> pausing and then the comedian would pause and then she would was rough and then you watch it on television and that it looks like that comedian did the best set ever like she pauses she looks a little nervous and coquettish you could see her shifting and that's her trying to leave and the director going you need to stay there <laughs> and so you do it so we have to show up and you have to get your clothing approved And it's always the same people on film sets, which is there's the director, and he's a big man, nervous always. He has a headset. His name is always like Bruce. He's holding a coffee. He's just smoked cigarettes. And he just goes, All right, what's your name? You're John. I heard you're great. You're really, really great. All right, Josh, we're going to see you in about four minutes. You're the one with the parrots, right? And you're like, That's not me. And he goes, All right, well, do whatever you want to do. And then he goes away. And then you meet the floor manager, who's always like a lady who's sweet and nice. She's like the mother of the film set. She's just there to be like, It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. If you don't do it right, we'll fucking kill you. Listen. (laughs) We're the BBC, we know what to do with the bodies. Have you heard of Rowan Atkinson after Mr. Bean? You haven't, that's why. So they... And so they take you in and then you lay out your clothing like your children, and then, and then, and it's it's not like it's a costume. It's literally the clothes I had in my drawers, I just put into a bag and brought, and then two people approve them. They go, that, that, that. And then they iron, I wore a t-shirt. Have you ever worn an ironed t-shirt? That's what famous people must feel like all the time. Because their clothes are steaming, they fit a little bit better. It's like when you just buy, because I'm a guy, and this is how guys do laundry. We take all of our dirty clothes and we shove them into one laundry machine. Even if they don't fit, then those clothes aren't getting washed, they're getting thrown out. So you just shove them all in, you put it on the longest cycle with the hottest water, you put whatever soap you have, you don't measure, you just put it in until you think you've. all of the women are just going, I fucking knew it! You at the back, I've never seen someone more. Just, you're just looking at your husband, being like, aha! So that's how you got wrinkles on your shoes.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, I have washed my shoes, and it's the funnest thing because the laundry machine sounds like it's having a fight with rocks. <laughs> And so they lay it all out, they approve it, then you have to put it on, and the lighting guy comes and looks at you and they shine lights on you to be like, yeah, no shadows, no You feel so embarrassed because people are just like, yeah, nothing reflects. And I have the whitest skin in the world, and I have these eyebrows. Can you see my eyebrows? You can't because they blend with my skin. (laughs) But it looks like I have two blonde caterpillars stuck to my face. And so what happens anytime I appear on camera is the eternal debate between the director and the makeup lady to black in my eyebrows. Now, if you want to see what the evil version of me would look like, (laughs) imagine these, but black. I did an hour-long stand-up special in Canada. It was a 45-minute argument between the head of the network, the director, and the makeup lady. And they finally, the head of the network went, if we don't color in your eyebrows, you're not going on stage. And I went... Well, then I guess we're coloring in my eyebrows. And I look like snidely whiplash with fart jokes. Like, it's just so creepy. And I was going through this phase, like, I really like punk rock music. And I was going through this phase where I was trying to dress like Henry Rollins. And he dressed like the the supervisor of a nightmare factory. So it's always just like gray shirt, Doc Martens, not tucked in. So you know he can kick your ass. And then like a black shirt and there were buttons. So I have that and then blacked in eyebrows. I look like Big Brother from 1984 going, have you noticed my farts smelly, etc." And so today, yesterday they were going through the whole thing and I saw the director walk up and I just went, I'm not, I'm not blacking in the eyebrows. I don't want to do that. And then he went, well, why not? And I just lied. I just went, well, makeup, um, I'm allergic to makeup. <laughs> and he went, really? And I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went, all right, fine. And walked away. And then the makeup lady went, are you allergic to makeup? And I went, no. Is anyone allergic to makeup? And she went, No, I don't think so. So then they somehow made my face whiter for the camera because they wanted to have the very first human representation of Mr. Snowman on BBC Three. And then we did it, and we did it in the caves in, at just the tonic. And I don't, do you guys know the caves over there? Do you know what those were for and what those were built for? It's gonna creep you, you know what they were for, right? It's where they put the bodies during the plague. Yeah, think about that next time you're watching a stand-up show and you go, what's that taste? That's despair right there. Yeah, and it's also this weirdly constructed thing. So if it rains outside, it actually rains inside. So they're literally like constantly moving the set around being like, which room is weather going to form in inside and open a vortex to the nether regions of hell? So we get there, we do it. I, uh, I shout a lot, as you can see, and in a room like this, this is fine, but when it's being recorded, I can't do shit like this, which I do all the time, because even though I performed with a microphone for eight years, I still don't know how to use it. <laughs> I still like to shout. So I was like, we may want to put a, like a lapel mic on me, and then instead, for 50 people, they gave me like the Michael McIntyre Madonna headset, so I looked like an albino Ohura. <laughs> up there with pale eyebrows, talking about how the UK and Canada are different. It was so bizarre, but it went really, really well. It was very, very exciting. It was a big, huge, giant moment for me. And then, because it's Scotland, you have to get grounded. So I got into a cab to go to my my hour show. And as I'm in the cab, he goes, oh, you're filming a television show. And I went, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, listen, pal, you'll never be Kevin Bridges, so don't fucking worry about it. (laughs) God bless you, Scotland, God bless you. No wonder Billy Connolly lives in California. People walking up to him. You'll be no Moses even though you look like him. Like, and so it was just, it was, it was spectacular. It's so fun. It, it, it meant a lot because it's, 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 there's something about this festival that it really jumps on your boo-boo. Because you guys are, are watching, you can feel the need in the air, right? You know what I mean? You've seen the flyers, those desperate comedians, just like, a man in a hat gave it 11 stars. Come see it. And he was like, I don't want to see a show called, like, Sphincter Scarlet Rainbow at noon inside of an abortion clinic. I don't... Nothing about this seems funny to me. And they're like, but you have to. Yesterday it was just me and my cat, and the cat walked out. I think it thinks it pays the mortgage. And so it's just... It's just... It's it's so brutal. So it was so nice to do that. And then uh, it also sort of took my mind off of things, because, uh, as you guys all know... um, I'm gonna make this a little sad for a second. Uh, Robin Williams passed away, which was a fucking bummer. Who the fuck knew that someone, none of us knew, passing away, like everyone, I don't know about you guys, you're looking at me like I was fine with it, I didn't like Patch Adams. Well listen, I really liked that movie, and everything, he was a big influence to me. Part of the reason I'm doing this is because he improvised a lot, and I figured I could do that too, and it totally bummed me out for a long time. And, uh, and it was just a nice thing to sort of do, to know that my career is moving forward and it's really fucked up. And let me say this right now about the journalism of the UK. Most of the time, I like it because I exclusively read The Guardian. So it's just like reading a list of things I agree with. <laughs> and then lovely reviews of restaurants I can't afford. Ooh, <laughs> how much for the mushroom cap? That's 11 pounds. What's in the mushroom cap? Just quotations. Oh, how delightful. <laughs> And if I want a glass of white wine, you can't afford the wine. It comes inside of a man's bladder. He pees it into a glass that we made that day. He's wearing a beret, his name is Chris. (laughs) And where is this restaurant? Oh, it's not a place, it just appears. You you have to be ready. You have to be only in the trendiest parts of the North. It's being redefined. So you have to go to York, find a man. He's wearing a green hat, not that type of green, the other type, and then go to him and say, Sassafras, and he'll go, I don't think so. And then you'll be there. Like that's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that restaurant exists. By the way, like, so I was reading and I was uh, I was looking. I was having lunch today. I was having a panini, which people of Scotland, it was not a panini. It was like a burnt pile of carrot lettuce in w- what used to be a bun. But they gave it to me open, which is the exact opposite of a panini. It was just like, what the fuck happened? There are Itali- there's an Italian guy right there. He could explain to you how- and he looks like Doctor Who. He could have gone back in the past. You do That's a compliment, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. As a Canadian, we- it's hard for me to admit that Doctor Who is a good I thing. I want to go into show business, so You do want to go, go into Who? It's perfect. You could be the first Italian Doctor Who. I'm surprised <laughs> there hasn't been a more Itali- an Italian Doctor Who would be perfect for the dramatic moments. What are we going to do? A mamma mia. Like <laughs> hole in the universe yeah it's so funny because of all the stereotypical movements italians you just got to get them riled up and they will do the like what are you talking about okay i worked in a uh, i worked in a restaurant montreal we'll get to robin williams and why i fucking detest the media in this country sometimes in a second but first a lovely anecdote about greek and italian people so i worked in a restaurant and i don't know if you've ever been to the behind scenes of a restaurant but you'll find either a greek or an Italian guy just threatening someone from Bengal. Like that's who's making your food. It might be, Jamie Oliver might be on the cover of the magazine going, I just made these crepes. They're delightful. And those crepes were prepared by a guy named Mustafa, who's from Uganda. He's got a blade and he doesn't, he's not to be fucked with. And next to him is an Italian man named Vincenzo. He's got a mustache and he just said, "Uh, listen to me. Uh, If you fuck this up, I'll fucking kill you. Like it's just the most things. So I worked in this, it was called an urban cafeteria and it should be in the Guardian. So what it was, was it was, the slogan was five star cooking in 10 minutes. And it actually was, which meant the staff in the kitchen were nightmares. There was one guy named Omar and he smelled of weed all the time. <laughs> and I don't mean like, like were you smoking weed? I mean, are you made of kush? <laughs> and so he would be in the kitchen And this is... In Canada, I was living in Montreal. Montreal is a very go-ahead city. It's all corrupt. Everything is run by the mafia. When I was a waiter there, I served the Don of Montreal every Friday, him and his lawyer. They'd tip me $20. I'd bring them wine. It was fucking scary because they looked like mafia people. Like, they had the collars that covered up the knot in the tie, and they would always just be like, you know, John, you're a good kid. And I'd be like, okay, good. I don't want... Yeah, make sure your salads are delicious. Don't put a horse in my bed. I mean... I've never seen The Godfather. There is no mafia. I, J. Edgar Hoover. Okay, so. And it was run by a Greek family. And do you guys have experience with Greek people? Yeah. At yeah. Italy? Yeah, you do. I understand. Yeah, they're doing a bad impression of Italians. And so, take it, Greece! And then. <laughs> you guys hear that chirping as well, right? Was there a cricket in the show? <laughs> he better have bought a fucking ticket. By the way, guys, it's free to get in on the way out if you would like to donate money. And by money, I mean what's found in your wallet. And by what I mean found in your wallet, I mean things that fold, uh, coins I'm allergic to. So thank you very much. And some of you have been laughing a lot. And those of you that haven't, well, you're not participating. You pay more. So So I'm working in this restaurant, and so it was three Greek guys. And Greek guys are tough. They are men. They were the first emperors of the world, and they will never let you forget it. Like, you could be talking about your shoelaces, and they went, well, if the Greeks invented them, shoes would never go undone. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. And he goes, exactly. And then walks away. (laughs) The guys that it was owned by a guy named Augustus. His sons were and tony and Jimmy. They were like Greek, like unless they they couldn't be more Greek unless they were carved out of marble and were not paying their taxes. Like it was. Again, very clever joke. You have to be a Guardian reader to get that. Even though in the Guardian, the Greeks actually paid their taxes, but not in the way that they want to, they're doing a good job. So Yeah, take it, Guardian. I'll give and take with both hands. So I'm working there, and then they hired this Italian guy to do inventory. Because in restaurants, it's constantly losing money for weird reasons. Because food goes bad. People that work in restaurants are thieves. I was a thief. I stole so much. I didn't do grocery shopping. I would just go into the fridge with my knapsack and go, (laughs) I needed some oranges. I need some bananas. I needed an entire bag of industrial-grade coffee beans. (laughs) I I need some of this cilantro. And you just steal. And it's actually worked into the budgets of most restaurants. So I tell myself when I feel bad about stealing. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I, uh, and so we were there. And so they brought in this Italian guy to do inventory, and he was—he had the symbol, like the logo of the Godfather, Marlon Brando. He had that tattooed on his arm, right here. He had the Italian flag tattooed on his chest. And this was in two thousand and six, so it was the last World Cup. And when Italy lost, he showed up the next day, still drunk on grappa, and started yelling at the customers because they didn't support Italy enough. It was amazing. And he was doing it like this. What's the matter with you? Who'd you go for? England? Ah! What have they done for you? It was awesome! (laughs) So I just, I, I love Italian people. Without you, we wouldn't have food in Europe. You know who would have given us food? The English you guys just got pasta in 1989 and you serve it with peas and battered fish and I'll never understand why peas are always included. Like you have, mangoes here are delightful and yet you want some peas with that cake? And you're like, I guess I do, yeah. So bizarre, so bizarre. But back to, so Robin Williams passed away, it's all very sad and I don't understand why but the Sun newspaper decided to break this morning the grisly details of how he passed away. And I don't understand why that is news. Robin Williams, as much as I loved him, I loved his work. He had nothing to do with the world. There are wars on, there are people lying. Why the fuck do we need to know that the genie was a little blue? Not really, but uh, you know what I'm fucking saying. And it was was fucking awful. It just fucking pissed me off because I don't understand. It's why I also love the UK and I hate it is that you guys are truth seekers. You love honesty as a people more than anything. That's why you're open and honest about like, I'm from Wales. Fuck the English. Here are the reasons why. They built a castle where we had a moat. That moat was delightful. Number two, they make fun of the way we talk. number three, Doctor Who is filmed here and we're doing a great job. And do we get any credit? Fuck no, they wanna put Italian in there and yet no Welsh person. Number four, we have Chip Alley, which is so much better than the chips anywhere else on the goddamn island. Do we get any respect? No, they say we fuck sheep and we don't. We fuck women, cause we're men, we're whales. And then you go to Scotland and Scotland is completely and totally open about how they're either definitely leaving, not gonna tell you if they're leaving or definitely not leaving. And you just have to talk to them for two seconds. How are you? I'm good. My name is Jeff. I'm from Glasgow. I'm undecided about independence, mostly because Alex Salmon makes me feel strange in my tummy because he looks like the drawing of a pedophile. And and then English people walk around like they are king shit of Turt Island because for a long time they were the biggest empire in the world and they will never let you forget. Germany tried to destroy England twice, and England was just like, we got a fat guy, he likes champagne and cigars, he's gonna sit in the basement, and he's gonna beat the shit out of you, Hitler. Watch him do it! Winston <laughs> Churchill got up at 11. He was fighting a war, and he got up on hotel hours. Like, I got up at 11 today, I'm telling dick jokes. He's fighting the biggest war of the 20th century. He's like, well, it's 10.45, I can use another 15 minutes, I think. <laughs> And they're like, well, they just bombed Coventry. Yeah. Maybe I'll get up now. They'll rebuild it and it'll be way nicer. Yeah, I said it. I love Coventry and I've gone there. And their modern architecture is delightful. And their roundabouts make sense because they weren't just shoved into the middle of shit. Like the rest of this country it was built with roads designed for horses because you guys just make shit happen and not consider the fact cars were coming. Anyway. <laughs> That's why, you guys, you notice that all of the roads in this country curve slightly? Do you know why that is? It's because horses, if they see a straightaway, they just gallop. And there was a bunch of fires in and around the time cars started being developed, and the government was told, you may want to wait a second and build them straight, because we're getting these things that aren't going to be powered with horses. And the English government you can go fuck yourself, all right? It's horses or nothing. Make the roads curved. And then they did. (laughs) And also, you know the zone system in London? This is just a random fact. My girlfriend came and we went and did a tour of London and she was kind of bored and I was so fucking excited. I know we're not in London now, but we went on tour of London. Just stick with me. And so, you know the zone system used for the tube? That was actually designed when the, the London was still only had horses because they figured out they were going to have too many horses uh, for a city, and the shit was actually gonna become toxic and start killing people. So, they developed the zones, and in zone one and two, you couldn't have horses. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you could have a certain amount of horses. And when they built the tube, they were like, yeah, just use the same fucking thing. That's fine. <laughs> and, it, and it's just, it's the most English thing. It's like, we already did that. Yeah, horses, trains, they're the exact fucking same thing. <laughs> How fast does the train go? Its engine has a hundred horsepower. Use that. Now, um, and yeah, and it's just, it's an amazing, it's a freaky fucking island to live on, it really is, because exactly of that. There's no, there's no lying, there's no sarcasm, and as a comedian, you have to learn that, because in North America, we have this thing called uh, politeness, and so if someone's doing something, we'll pretend to enjoy it, and then we'll just never speak to that person again. You all, you go some, America, same way, correct? Yeah, George W. Bush, you guys were like, let's see what he does. <laughs> Ooh, this isn't going so well. Let's try it again. Even worse. Our money's on fire now. Who are we going to go with? Well, this Barack Obama looks like he's full of hope and actually knows how to read. Elect him. And uh, where in America are you from, by the way? Michigan. Michigan. Have you been here before? Yes. Yo, oh, fucking what's up? Are you part of the military family? Yes. Oh, let me get into this. So... There's a few running themes on the podcast. One is which I like talking about professional wrestling and the people that come to the show would wish me dead when I go on that subject. So I'm not going to talk about professional wrestling today. Second of all, for some reason, military personnel love to hear me talk off the top of my head. The show hasn't started, by the way. We'll get to it in a bit. This is just the announcement phase. And so what has been happening throughout the entire time is this one family from Michigan that's here for a child's lacrosse tournament, correct? What are you here for? Family reunion, a family reunion. I'm helping bring a family together, guys. Without me, they are broken apart because of a little thing called patriotism. They all have American flag tattoos on their genitals. They all only listen exclusively to Ted Nugent, but they cannot figure out who makes the better burger. So they come here and we determine it. And they came and they sat right here. And what is your last name? God Dead. Their last name is God Dead. It's and one of them was named, what was it? It was like Hellfire Goddamn. Like, it was fucking the most military. And the best part is one of the gentlemen, one of the brothers of this family, is a, is a sergeant first class married to a colonel. Oh, the drama that must ensue in that house. The amount of times he's had to do push-ups, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so that's very exciting. You're from Michigan. when do you guys head back to Michigan? Friday. Friday. So you just hear one more time. let' fuck yeah, can you bring the colonel that lives here? There's one brother who they haven't <laughs> brought yet, who is the colonel, and I was like, how do you guys feel about him? And they all just kind of looked at me as like, a bit of a douche, actually. <laughs> Correct? No. Yeah, don't lie to me. <laughs> it's awesome, and again, it proves my point about Americans, which is if you're gonna go to America as someone not from North America, do not just go to New York or LA. Let me do my impression of New York. This place is the fucking best! It smells like shit, and it's overcrowded, and everything's expensive. Yeah, but if you had the pizza, it's subpar at best. Yeah, but fuck you! <laughs> and Los Angeles is my impression of Los Angeles.
1: Have you tried this?
0: What is that? Oh, well, we take potatoes, and then we, um, we light them on fire, and then you breathe the smoke in. You lose weight that way. But then, then you go to the you go to the Midwest. You go to Chicago, best city in the world. Chicago is like a friend you didn't know. He's just waiting for you at the airport. What do you want to do right now? Do you want to get a steak the size of your face in a place called Harry Carey's where the floor is tiled and there's a barber shop in the men's room? Yes, yes, I do. Well, let's fucking go. How much is that steak? Five American dollars. If you have any other currency, we don't accept it. We only accept the American dollar, even though it's the most counterfeit form ever because it's literally just a piece of paper with some green stuff on it. Not like the rest of the world that has encoding, but fuck it, we're America. We don't believe in counterfeit. We just believe in freedom. Have a stick. (laughs) And you go to Chicago, go to a baseball game. Go to a baseball game, but you must go to Wrigley Field. It's this old, rickety stadium just held together by dreams and old ideas. It's ivy-covered, all of the seats are these wooden benches, and the fans are fucking bananas. My father lived in Chicago for two years, so I'd spend summers there. We went to a game once, and it was the Chicago Cubs who were about to be eliminated from the playoffs. They were one of the worst teams ever. They're never very good. They have a curse on them because of a goat because a guy tried to bring a goat to a baseball game, and they said, no, and he said, I curse you, and they literally haven't won a World Series yet. And they, they talk about it like that's a real thing. You're, you're, yeah, they're literally like, curse of the goat, yeah. And so I asked the usher when my dad told me, like, can I bring a goat in, and they went, yes, you can. Yes, you can definitely bring a goat in. It was like, only in America where you guys have, you have drones, the nuclear bomb, and a belief that a goat can change the course of sports history. And you go, and I was watching, and we were in the front row. My dad worked for the Chicago Sun-Times. And we're in the front row, and it's this needlessly unimportant game. It was the Denver Rockies versus the Chicago Cubs. It was literally just like, hey, let's kill time for an afternoon. We're sitting there, and we are next to a baseball fan. You can tell a baseball fan, facial hair of some kind, a big belly, thin legs, thin legs. Because they do a lot of sitting, but the belly is there to hold up their spine so they can yell at the opposing team. And they don't yell like, fuck you, bad game. They yell statistics. You call that a 7-1 average in terms of your hitting ratio? I call it shit. <laughs> and in Chicago, if the ball from the opposing team gets knocked into the stands, a fan will pick that ball up and then whip it at a player. So I am 13 years old. We're watching a needless game. The ball lands next to me. This baseball fan picks it up, waits. He's waiting. So the game has not, is, is frozen. They can't. They don't think the ball has been got by anyone. The pitcher, the pitcher, he was, he's always complaining. The pitcher for the Denver Rockies stood on the mound and at that moment he strikes and he goes, hey, pitcher, this ball's for you! And he throws it, but he has no athleticism. So all he did was throw it and then it just landed in front of him and he pointed at it and went, yeah! It was awesome, so goddamn awesome. we're doing for time. Oh, a new record. We are 37 minutes into the show, and I've yet to begin. How exciting. (laughs) Also, if you would like to contribute to the show in any way, you can email me at johnhastingspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to listen to this very episode, it'll be up later today on johnhastingscomedy.com, or you can search anything to be a podcast podcast on iTunes. Please download the show. It took me four weeks to figure out how to get something on the internet. It is so difficult when you don't know about computers. I called the iTunes support... It was a nightmare. Because they were like, I would like to upload a podcast. And they went, well, do you have your RSS feed set up through a legitimate source? And I went, you're going to need to say all of that again so I can write it down. (laughs) And they went, wouldn't you want to type it? And I went, no. And they went, all right. So an RSS feed is a feed of information that is in either an MP3 or a WAV file, which can be processed through many different means and linked to without an open source code. And I was literally like what the fuck are you talking to- Can you break that down to me in terms of, like, sandwich choices? Like, like, I'm looking to have a club sandwich, and I don't have the chicken or the bacon, the tomato or the mayonnaise. I just have some toast and those toothpicks that are always in the club sandwich, which you always forget about. So, like, by the third piece, you bite in, and you just have a toothpick in your mouth. But you want to be cool about it, like a man, so you're just like, mmm, timber. And so... It was just being on the phone. And then finally, through a friend of a friend, I found someone who works at SoundCloud. Because show business is weird. You're always two degrees of separation from someone. Like, crazy. I'm the best at the Kevin Bacon game. I nailed it one time. We were playing with Princess Diana, and my, my uncle worked in the Canadian government as a diplomat, and one time Princess Diana came to visit him in Cuba. Boom. One degree. And so, yeah, I'm impressed. You guys should be, too. She died, you know. Did you not know? Too soon? Robin Williams and Princess Diana. I'm breaking a lot of hearts today. (laughs) I always do like it when someone finds out a piece of news like a year too late. Like I found out Michael Jackson died like 18 months later. I just, I didn't really follow his music. I bought Thriller and I went, this is great. And then I just ignored the pedophilia stuff because I really enjoyed the song Thriller. And so, yeah, I'm gonna say it. I'm honest, the rest of you can lie and go, we do not listen to Billie Jean. You don't listen to Billie Jean. You don't have love in your heart for a sweet beat. Liars. You're all liars. You've all been driving. Beat it, comes on the radio. You close the windows and you crank it. And you just go, I thought it was Van Halen. I didn't know that that was Michael Jackson. What are you talking about? And he was cleared of those charges in a little country called America where they believe in freedom. So, unless, of course, you go to Guantanamo Bay, Anyway. Which isn't real, according to the book I've been reading. See you later, sir. Thank you very much. One person up. Don't like Michael Jackson, do you? Warm. Too warm? Yeah. Oh. Uh- By the way, we don't fuck sheep like I
1: know you don't. That's <laughs> I was on your side!
0: <laughs> He'd been waiting for 20 minutes. I know he has. He's been sitting in the back going, I need to clarify that fuck sheep thing. <laughs> Even though I was on his side, but he's just like <clears throat> <clears throat> And did you see his mustache? That was a, that was almost a Hitler stash. Did you guys see it? <laughs> I I'm just saying the truth. I'm just a truth teller. You guys can be offended all you want, but I'm the one who sees that the emperor's wearing no clothes and I'm pointing it out. Just because if you guys don't believe it, doesn't mean we're not on the same side. But that was almost a Hitler, but he was so confident he could pull it off. He'll just say it's a chaplain or a Michael Jordan. Because Michael (laughs) Jordan a famed basketball, basketball for you guys don't know, is a sport played in America (laughs) with balls and and, and a lot of people that have rape charges. And so they... (laughs) One guy mostly, but he has a bunch of them. Another guy gone, and he has a ponytail. I'm okay with it. Oh, that's a girl. Oopsie-daisy. I apologize, and I think that was one of the people who liked Father of the Bride. She's going to come back, and ooh boy, will it be awkward. Is it a boy? It was a boy? Yes! You guys thought it was a girl, but I was right all along. Also, I was right about the Michael Jackson thing, and also the Michael Jordan thing, and also the rapist in the NBA thing. Now, let's start the show, shall we? We really should. Like it's getting ridiculous. Um, a, a, what was that? What did? You, way to sell them out, Miss. It was them. It wasn't me. Don't talk to me. Your eyebrows are unnerving. What is your name, Miss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free. Your name is Free. Or Bree. Bree. Yeah, yeah, I've met your father, Monterey. <laughs> Monterey Jack Cheese. It's an American cheese. Boom! Callback City! We're all living in it. And where are you from, Bree? Australia. Australia. What part of Australia? Uh, Gold Coast. That- Gold Coast. For those of you who don't know Australia, it literally is the most simply named country in the entire world. It's like Western Australia, Eastern Australia, the big sandy desert. <laughs> no. What happened to it? Oh sorry, yeah, that's Asia. And uh Yeah. I know you guys don't consider Asia people because of all the people that you're putting in camps. (laughs) Yeah, I said it again! That's just a fact. Let me ask you this. You're Australian? You're an Australian lady. Let me say this. Every Australian lady I've met, best person in the world, every Australian dude, except for the exception of Brendan Burns, just a date rapist with who hasn't had enough time. Are you Australian? I stand by what I said. (laughs) You have that swarly stubble in those eyes that say, I'm up to something naughty. (laughs) Where in Australia are you from? From Sydney, Sydney, of course, home of the Sydney Opera House and the bridge. Sydney Sydney Harbor Bridge, what did I say? The most simply named (laughs) place, what is it? It's a bridge in the harbor in Sydney, Sydney Harbor (laughs) Bridge. What's that, Sydney Opera House? What's that, it's a big snowy mountain. And what brought you to the UK from Sydney?
1: I decided to live
0: here. You decided to live here? Yeah. And why did you have to leave Australia?
1: <laughs>
0: My point is about to be proven. <laughs> too many Australians. Too many Australians. Yeah. Likely a story. <laughs> Favorite part about living in the UK? God. If you say too many Australians, I will agree with you. <laughs> yeah, Get it, guys? Because there's a lot here. It's clever. And so... What do you do for a living,
1: sir? Um, well, as the uh, immigration officer came in, uh, I told her that i was unemployed and i basically around. I'm unemployed. I'm a pamphlet deliverer. I'm a flyboy.
0: That's my job. You called it a pamphlet deliverer? Pamphlet <laughs> deliverer. That is the greatest spin on a flyer I've ever heard. I'm not a flyer. I'm a pamphlet delivery system. How dare you? The immigration officer came to your house? No, when I walked in, I didn't have a, a place of residency or a occupation. And they let you in? Yeah. The UK border is so fucking humorous. Because I'm used to going from Canada to the United States, which is literally, as a Canadian, you walk through a room with a picture of William Shatner, a wooden goose, and they're selling maple syrup, into a black room, and there's a guy with a machine gun bulletproof vest, an American flag in the background. He's against a podium just staring at you, and he just goes, what is your purpose in the United States? And you go, I- 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 I'm going to see a football game. And he goes, "Mmm." And then they do ask you, have you ever been associated with a terrorist organization? And then you sometimes are like, well, one time in a uni- I mean, no, never. <laughs> UK border It's just, it's laughable. It, every time I go through it, one time, I, uh, I got the same guy twice because I have to go out every six to eight months to renew my visa because I'm completely legally allowed to work here. If anyone's here from Inland Revenue, I pay my taxes in Canada. <laughs> it took me two accountants and 48 hours of crying to figure out how to do it because you guys are the least accessible f- um, customer service people I've ever met. <laughs> I went to the tax office and I said, I want to pay my taxes. Who do I pay? And they said, who do we look like? Inland Revenue? And I said, yes. And they went, we don't know and so it's always but I got the same guy twice and he literally looked at me he just took my card and went good to see you again and waved me through if you're wrecking someone at the border wouldn't that mean the guy might be say a drug smuggler of some kind <laughs> not just a friendly face look at you, you could be smuggling drugs you're too svelte, I can see the cocaine through your belly in you go um, scariest experience in the UK so far because Canada, Australia, I feel is very similar it's like a lot of space People like kind of forget that we exist. Our television is ridiculous. Like you guys have Hey Hey, it's Saturday. We have a show called Street Legal, which is about lawyers, but they work in the streets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, chip shops in general after 12 o'clock at
0: night. Oh, you have just triggered, I need, <laughs> thank you, brother. You are no longer an Australian. I make you an honorary Canadian. <laughs> Welcome. I will get you your list of people you have to apologize to. <laughs> Let me, uh, we're going to end the show on this. I will see you at the back for the bucket collection. Please donate if you've liked the show. And if you haven't liked the show, you still must donate. And uh, I'm looking forward to a few of you doing what people do when they don't want to give money, is they look at me right in the face and go, <clears throat> <laughs> My favorite part, and sometimes I move the, the cup a little closer and they get really scared. One woman yesterday went, Whoa! and then we kept walking. It was awesome. And so, yesterday I went to an Italian restaurant. What's yeah. up? Yes, the only one in Scotland. It was awesome. It's called Bar, Bar Napoli on the other side of town. You've been there? It's yeah. fantastic. So good. The Italian food is real ish.
1: Yeah.
0: Where, where are you from, Beardo? Is it good? Where do you go when you want to have spaghetti at 11 in the in the evening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if you guys, but I like to carbo load after midnight. So I went there, and I got a cheesecake. I got ice cream. I had some spinach because I like to really confuse my belly. And um, so we're sitting there, and this is what happened. I've never. I was with uh, Brendan Burns, Glenn Wool, Barry Castanola, Eddie Pepitone. me so we look like a strange group because eddie is this like big american comedian who shouts brendan is a deaf australian comedian wearing a wrestling t-shirt a roller derby hat but he's 43 so he looks like the coach of a pro skater glenn wool is dressed like a mugger from the 70s that's his joke not mine but it's apt and then barry (laughs) Castanolo looks like a handsome version of me so it's like it's like the before and after picture and then three bank robbers from the 60s are having a meal in Bar Napoli, and then this guy starts getting kicked out because he was so drunk he was just taking pizza from people's plates and eating it. But because he's so drunk and a little scoutish, he didn't understand why that was against the rules. Again, you guys drink to the point where you're just like, there are no rules, there are no rules. And so he's getting kicked out and he goes, my girlfriend has to come too! My girlfriend has to come too! And then we're like, all right, let's take a look at this girlfriend. And then this beautiful girl walks out but she is wearing no shirt. Just a jacket, exposed breasts, and she just goes, I've come for a pizza. And they just handed her a pizza box. And she just walked out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't even start the show, but it was still an amazing show. Thank you so much for coming to anything can be a podcast, podcast. I will
1: see you at the back. God bless America, long live Australia, Italy forever. See you later, good night.